You are listening to The Building Code, a podcast by Builder Trend, where we talk all things technology and construction. Be sure to stick around to the end of the episode where you can find out how to be a part of The Building Code crew. Let's get it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Building Code. I'm very happy to announce that this episode kicks off something we've been working on for quite a while. Shout out producer Danielle coordinating all this. We had an idea uh, as we were closing out 2020 to do sort of a recap. Obviously, it was a big year for everybody. We had a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic hit us in March, and it affected our business in many, many different ways, uh, but not all the same. And so knowing that we have clients of Build a Trend all over the world, we wanted to get a taste for how COVID affected different businesses in different areas. So we are launching a regional series here of podcasts. Over the next coming weeks, you're going to hear from all corners of America, Canada, even international. We're going to talk to business owners and employees of companies and just hear their story of COVID. We're going to look back, but we're also going to look forward. And, you know, what are we looking forward to? What are some positive changes that have happened uh, for our business due to the regulations that came down from COVID? So here's our first episode. We have Don uh, from Don Wise Construction. He is out of both Oklahoma and Arkansas, and he's coming to us from his truck, uh, very on brand for contractors. Don, why don't you start with, uh, start us off by hearing a little bit more about your company and what it was like for you when COVID first hit. We were more of a custom home builder, I would say, and did a little bit of renovation stuff. And, and we would do four or five specs a year. And we had kind of just started building in these neighborhoods in Arkansas and really went into the spec business doing anywhere from, we, we had several that are in the 260 range versus on then we would get up into some that were uh you know five hundred thousand dollar houses so right when COVID hits and they shut everybody down and you know everybody went into quarantine we've got six houses sitting and the next thing i know is like nobody's coming around seeing houses nobody's doing anything you know and it's kind of that was kind of one of the scary things for us i think is that we really didn't know what was going to happen or what was going to go on so you know, and it went on for probably a month or so. It mm-hmm. that, and then even my like some of our financing people that we dealt with call. You know, hey, don't do anything. Shut everything down. You know, let's let's just see what's going to happen. But after we got past that, man, we got. I mean, we've been busier than we've ever been, and we really. I think the biggest challenges that we run into is supply. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the supply chain, how much it's changed, and. But I mean, I, I would say we've been fortunate that we have had only two people in our whole organization that's actually had COVID or that was tested and that's been out. And, um, but I mean, we change things, you know, I mean, we make sure everybody's, I mean, there's mass mandates here in this part of where we're at, you know, mm-hmm. and so kind of every, we, we haven't really done a lot of social distancing. I wouldn't say as far as like, the things go on the houses. We kind of separate some contractors out and stuff like that, but everybody's wearing masks and then we provide sanit- sanitizer and things like that. And I think mm-hmm. that's the processes that we've changed. Um, in the big picture of things though, man, last year was probably one of the best years we ever had once we got past that. I mean, we, we ran more volume and, and made more money than we've ever made. I mean, or, wow. or one of, one of the top. That's great. So, so, so it's a challenge because you're, because you're based in Oklahoma, but you do work in Oklahoma and Arkansas. 
Um, I guess take a step back. Correct. So, so how long have you guys been in business? Just kind of give the listeners a profile of your business. We've we've been around. We're a family-owned business. We've been around over probably about 35 years now in total. The business was started by my father. Uh, just, you know, started off building spec houses and things like that. We kind of had a background in the floor covering business as well before we got into the construction business. So, um, and then I came back 12 years ago, right about, I was in the telecom business. So I went and I worked for like Sprint and AT&T and people like that. I decided I wasn't going to be in business for myself, really. It's kind of kind of what I thought, you know, I'd grew up around it and I was going to go out and work for somebody else and take life easy, but mm-hmm. figured out it really wasn't like that. So I ended up coming back to uh, this part of Oklahoma and took the company over probably 12, right at about 12 years ago. And, um, just kind of started trying to progressively kind of change things like, like with builder trend and things like that. You know, I mean that my, my dad was, is not a computer guy by no means, you know? And so, We've kind of had that, and we've had a lot of the same subcontractors, you know, whether they've changed generational-wise. So we've got a lot of the same guys. I, I I would say most guys that work for us have been with us at least, you know, 10 years or better, you know. So it's wow. kind of been a really good partnership. Yeah, so you, you spent some time in the telecom, let's just say, corporate world. Did you bring any uh, things you learned in that world to your, your building business 12 years ago when you got involved yeah i think that's kind of where i came in and and when i brought back from the corporate world like a lot of processes as far as you know i mean and that's something i was looking for the whole time when we got into builder trend is trying to figure out the best way to track you know what what kind of costs we had going into these houses what kind of labor costs material costs time that it was taken to to build these projects too you know and just just all the functions that go into to that that then that's things that we did in the corporate world we tracked everything you know Mm -hmm. i mean we wanted to know so that's something that never i mean they would keep a you know a paper ledger or whatever in the past before so and we went through several different type things you know from excel spreadsheets ourselves to another company before builder trend Mm -hmm. and then you know so i think that's kind of the stuff that i was looking to bring back into the company that i'd learned from the corporate world and then you know, some stuff, we got some old school guys here too that don't, you know, man, they don't want, they don't want an iPhone even, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. they, they damn sure don't want to look up anything on a computer or want to know where the plans are, all that's at. But I mean, it, for the most part, it's, it's went really well and it's been well received by our vendors and our, our subcontractors. That's great. And so when you, when you got into the business, I'm just curious to this, did, did you have to add roles? You think like, did you, did you sort of create a role for the accounting or a project manager or super? What was that already sort of there, this corporate structure? Yeah, we kind of, we kind of actually really, I, my mother did all the accounting stuff and my dad did all the rest, you know, and just kind of, so we, we did create a few roles as far as that goes. And then we even brought into the thing, I, I, my wife's actually, we're all, we're all in the real estate business or the construction. And then my wife's an appraiser too, as well. So we kind of, and then she's actually a licensed decorator. So we kind of brought all those aspects back into the business that we, that wasn't being done before. So we started providing some, uh, interior type design type stuff, you know, and, and helping people pick colors with the custom stuff that we were doing and things like that. And then, so we, we've got an accounting role and it's, and we're still, I would say a small 
company, you know, compared to some of the bigger ones. But we have somebody that handles the accounting side of things. And then we'll be somebody that handles like all the materials coming in and out. And then I kind of end up overseeing the majority of all that. That's kind of the roles that we have now. And then we have one person that does nothing but our social media too, which we found to be a very big deal that we kind of, I even probably resisted that for quite a while, you know, and, and found out that we actually get more, we don't do any traditional advertising Mm -hmm. at all anymore. It's all either social media, word of mouth or past customers. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a trend in construction going that way. Um, It's a free, it's a free vehicle, but you still got to spend time and money on the people to actually, you know, drive it. But that being said, right. It's a, it's an effective way to market these days. That makes a lot of sense. So I I know you got, you had mentioned when COVID hit last March, 2020, um, some of the issues you had were the spec homes you had, you know, there was just some regulations around people just not being able to go in there and view them. Um, did you guys turn to anything virtually or through your social media to sort of help solve that? We did. Uh, we did end up getting a, uh, we went into some stuff with like a 360 camera and, and actually did some, uh, virtual tours and stuff like that, that, uh, me and another contractor in town had kind of talked about it. And so we started doing just virtual tours of the houses so people could see them and we started spreading that around on our social media and we kind of both worked together we were both building in the same neighborhood so that's kind of the avenue we took for probably three months while that was all and it had a lot of actual success with it and people seemed to really relate real well with it and it's something that we've kind of hung on to and we actually have probably progressed more into doing video and stuff on a lot of these projects that we never did before we we did a lot of pictures things like that but now we've even added our social media we do a thing called tuesday tour and we'll go have either a cell phone or a gopro camera or whatever and we'll tour either multiple projects one day and and it's actually live on like facebook we do just a live facebook feed and so you get all the raw crap that you know whatever's happening on the job they get it we don't edit it, any of it and and we've had a huge uh, kind of following from that and have picked up a ton of business. Too, That's man. great. It's, it's, it's been really good. Great idea. That's a good uh, little takeaway from people who are listening. A little Tuesday tour, just something weekly that people can depend on. You know, this podcast comes out every Thursday and people sort of catch wind of that. Right. And, you know, they get in the habit of watching that stuff. So, yeah, I, I got to believe when everybody's sheltering in place in, in that mid-March, early April, they're looking for stuff to watch. And so you, you provided them some some virtual tours was probably a good idea. Yeah, and it, and it seemed to really catch on. You know, it's one of those deals that you can kind of see when people are watching you live, but it's... Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't know really what was going on or whatever, but then we skipped the Tuesday. And then we had all kinds of feedback about, hey, you guys aren't going to keep doing the Tuesday tour, you know. So we've, we've kind of stuck with it ever since. That's and great. It's, it's been a really big deal. So, Man, it sounds like, you know, for all in all, um, you know, beyond the first couple of months of just sort of that, everybody paused and didn't know what to do. And, you know, there was a lot of regulations that were coming out as fast of what you couldn't, couldn't do after that, it kind of blew up. And, and what do you attribute that to? Is that your local area, a lack of inventory out there or interest rates or a combination of everything? I think the big, one of the big things that, that I personally, cause you know, the lumber increase was another big thing that, mm-hmm. that hit us. I mean, it went to over 1200 a board foot 
and you know we had some projects in the middle of things that that we did definitely didn't have that budget i mean we have one project we spent another nineteen thousand dollars just on framing material so that's 19 out of the budget that's that's huge so mm-hmm. um that kind of part was weird you know we had with several financial institutions calling hey man what are you gonna you gonna keep building i mean lumber's going up i mean that's what we do for a living so i think we have no choice but to keep building mm-hmm. so um but when interest rates went really cheap, I think that's what's driving the, the train now in this area that so many people, I mean, you can't, as soon as we start a house, we get, we don't even have it on the MLS and we've got people coming up wanting to make an offer and just, and it's a crazy little deal. There's, a, there's an area in Portsmouth, Arkansas out called, they call it Chaffee. It, it, it's a, it's an old military base and they've kind of revamped it and they've got some industrial and they've got, you know, like food and beverage places and then housing additions all in this thing. And it's just a hot little area that's, that's kind of blown up with, with some really good and, you know, infrastructure from the city that and some forward thinking from a group when they were going to do that. And then with these interest rates, I mean, man, we've just been, I mean, I, I don't know how long it's going to last and I hope it don't change, but you know, I've, I've been reading things that, maybe we could ride this thing for at least two years the way it's going, but it, it's so far so good, man. And, you know, like I said, the, the biggest challenges we have is like, you know, like, like window suppliers and maybe our, um, you know, appliances and some of the normal things that it's kind of, you got to order way in advance of before when we would in our, our process before, as far as trying to get that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. But that's kind of been the challenges that came out. And that, a lot of that's COVID-related. We keep, you know, because they're like the place we buy windows from, they will have 30 people out a week, whether they've had some kind of contact with it, whether they've had it. So it's really messing up their their production schedule, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're dealing with that on the back end. And, and do your contacts at these suppliers and vendors say that there's, you know, light at the end of the tunnel where we're going to get some normalcy back to the lead times at all? Or do they not know yet? I, I don't think that they know 100%. I think a lot of them were hopeful with the vaccine and type stuff like that coming out that it's going to work, you know. But, I mean, most of the guys we deal with, I don't think they really know yet mm-hmm. how that's going to look. And a lot of them have changed the way they do business, too, you know, I mean, with all this going on. so What do you mean by that? Like more electronic, more like electronic documents or virtual meetings, that kind of stuff? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of more virtual stuff than we've ever seen before, you know, and, and which is, is kind of a, a funny thing with, and it works out great with builder trend because we get a lot more guys now wanting access to our, you know, electronic plans. So they're taking that stuff off the jobs and they're not sure. So they're only sending one guy out basically. And all he's doing is maybe doing the deliveries and stuff like that. So there's a lot more, virtual stuff that we've seen going on you know with guys that we would see on job sites all the time in the past and which to me works out great man because i can cover a lot more bases you know that that people are willing to jump more on builder trim because we really we do all our scheduling on there we deal with 90 percent of our vendors through builder trend now we pay you know we have it synced to quickbooks and all that so all our all our invoices everything runs through there and that was kind of a, that was a real growing process, I would say. You know, I mean, really, when we first got Builder Trend, our first thing about it was doing like 
you know, daily logs for jobs and just kind of keeping up with little things like that. And then we kind of rolled into the schedule part of part of stuff. But, you know, other than that, man, we we didn't do what Builder Trend was capable of until I actually went to I ended up going to the class one time. And then that's when, you know, things really changed a lot. You came up to Omaha for Builder Trend University. Actually, I went to uh, Builder Trend University in Dallas oh, that's on right. the road mm-hmm. show that you guys had that time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and, good. And it was great, man. I mean, and I do want to come to Omaha at some point, too, because I think it's, it, you know, just from the classes of learning, but also all the people that were there that do the same thing and kind of figuring out how they use Builder Trend, too, and the little quirks and little things that they find, I mean, was very good for us. Yeah, yeah. The collaboration between the contractors that come and, and the different groups, you know, every month, they sort of stay together and com- communicate. It's all, it's almost like its own little community, so that's great. But we'll, we'll definitely right. be sure to uh, – We'll be sure to let you know when we open things back up. We're still kind of in that planning for 2021, but I'm sure it's sometime next year. Well, I mean, it sounds cool. like it sounds like, you know, all in all, there's been some positive things that have happened for you and your business. You know, and as you look to 2021, you know, there's a demand there. Are, are there things that you guys are, are getting ahead of, whether it's buying land or doing anything just to make sure you can f- fill that demand? Man, that's the thing that we've done is that we really jumped on a, a thing and like our forward deal is we've been out and bought as much land as is that we could put into our budget and buy in a couple of these projects that were already going and then we bought some undeveloped stuff but we bought into a couple of neighborhoods and, and we probably went from where we were going to do 10 houses that we've already committed to you know 30 lots in a, a neighborhood that we probably wouldn't have done in the past but just because of the way the market is now we're willing to gamble on that and Go out and get all we can get while it's here, man. That's great. Well, man, we obviously wish you the best. Really appreciate your time, you know, giving us a recap of you and your region and, and sort of what your experience was. All, overall positive things in, you know, 2021, 2022, maybe 2023, as you said. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, let's keep this thing rolling. So, man, we'll check in on you in, in, in uh, six or 12 months. We'll see how things are going. Okay. All right, all right man. man. I appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Have a good one. All right, that was a great conversation with Don. Thank you very, very much again. Next up, we've got Mike from Arista Development. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Obviously, this is a series about uh, the last 10 months. uh, And more importantly, we know that every single uh, region and and state has their own experience uh, with this once-in-a-lifetime pandemic uh, last March. And so we definitely want to focus on that and hear your story and your company's story. But first, as always, let's just hear about your company. Like, can you just give me the rundown of, of who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Um, once again, my name is Michael Frames with Arista Development. Uh, we're a semi-custom and custom home builder down here in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is the southern part of New Mexico. And uh, we primarily uh, build, I would say, maybe around 30, 35 homes a year, um, ranging anywhere from mid-200s all the way up to a million plus, just kind of depending on exactly what we do. We primarily focus on more of the semi-custom realm, and we do get involved with, you know, a couple uh, true customs um, throughout the year as well, too. Great. And so how long have you guys been in business down there? So opened up Arista Development. Uh, it's been a little over six years now. So we've had Arista going a little over six years. Uh, myself, I've been in construction since, you know, I was a little kid. So 
kind of grew up around uh, some of the neighbors. Uh, they were builders, so you know, had a broom in my hand, uh, sweep, uh, sweeping and cleaning up job sites, and you know, just always kind of had it in my blood. And ended up uh, after graduating high school, went to Arizona State University, and uh, went through their construction engineering program, which was more kind of cut more towards the uh, commercial builder, um, project engineering, mm -hmm. things of that nature. Uh, after I graduated, signed on with a pretty big uh, commercial uh, builder, McCarthy Building Companies, and worked with them for several years. And always had it in my blood to kind of uh, run my own business. And, you know, self-employed has always been big in our family. And uh, breaking into the commercial background of uh, building is a little bit harder just due to all the bonding and everything you have to get. And uh, never thought I'd actually move back down to Las Cruces, but came back down here and started working with another custom home builder for a while until it eventually branched out and started up Barista. Yeah, that's interesting. I always, I always curious about people making the leap on their own. Did you, did you in a, in a, and then somebody else or a couple different people, you know, gather the capital, the things you needed just to start your own thing or, or how'd that, how'd that come about? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it definitely goes in phases, I would say, you know, uh, a, a lot of, a good quote I like to say is, you know, you work for somebody else, kind of uh, learn the ropes and you, you get the boat close to the dock before you jump in the ocean. So you have, <laughs> have an idea mm -hmm. of what you're doing. Um, but it is, uh, it is a pretty big jump once you uh, fully, you know, leave uh, employment with somebody else and go out on your own. So it is a bit nerve wracking. But, you know, once you do that, it's uh, I don't think I could ever go back. So <laughs> that's great. Good for you. Uh, so you guys started about six years ago. How many employees do you have mm -hmm. now outside the ownership? So we have about six to seven employees. Um, Primarily, uh, we are a project management company, so we do a design build process. So we design our own homes, estimate it, and build it for clients. So, uh, you know, our, our, our employee staff, uh, we keep ourselves pretty small so we could be kind of limber and move, uh, move with the, the current economy and everything. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, subcontractors that we work with primarily on a constant basis. So... Uh, pretty much the subs that we work with, we use project over project. Okay, that's great. So let's 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 just jump into it. Uh, March fifteenth is what we're calling the date uh, of when when everything went down. Um, we were talking right before this that you know I was I was with my family in Phoenix on vacation, oblivious to this coming down the pike and hit us hard. I have four I have four girls and a wife, and so we decided to drive home to Omaha, Nebraska, which is like. Uh, like 20 some hours went through New Mexico my first time we loved it um, but that's beyond the point so you're in New Mexico every state every region sort of had different things and different unique experiences what was it for you guys uh, what was it like you know when it, it first came out so what was really crazy is we go to the the National Home Builders uh, show every year mm -hmm. which uh, this last year was in Las Vegas so we had a big uh, gathering down there. We always, tr we try to make it an annual thing. And uh, that's January, you know, <laughs> starting off the year. Yeah. We always learn tons of neat stuff down there and get back and start getting back in the swing of things. You get motivated and, you know, things that you want to accomplish through the year and everything. And then good old COVID hits. And, uh, you know, it was... Uh, it was baffling exactly what happened. I think there was just so much confusion and nobody, it was so uncertain, nobody knew what to do. 
And so of course, kind of being reactive to everything, we wanna make sure we're properly secured. So, you know, we get all our spec homes sold, which a spec home is you build it for speculation and you uh, turn around and sell it after the home is completed. So comfortably, we like to keep about three to four spec homes on the ground. Um, once COVID hits, you know, we're immediately thinking, oh no, here we go. This is going to be bad for, for the real estate economy. Um, you know, time to button down the hatches and, and really kind of, uh, get in conservative mode. So, you know, kind of a couple months pass through, we sell all our spec homes. We're still doing pre-sales, which we do quite a bit of, uh, primary of our focus is pre-sales, which a client hires us to, to build their house. And all of a sudden, the, the economy just explodes. And uh, I think it's pretty much been that route through the whole uh, United States. But holy cow, we never anticipated how busy residential construction would get. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we did have some hurdles, you know, due to COVID. Um, but here in New Mexico, we're a pretty small population base. So we didn't really see that big of an impact of COVID until I would say about October is when we really started getting hit with it. So, really? wow. you know, you hear everything in New York, California, a lot of stuff in Texas, um, Seattle, all these bigger cities are just getting, you know, you hear all the stories and healthcare providers and everything, how difficult things have been. And luckily here, you know, Las Cruces, I don't even know, to be honest, population base, but I would say we're probably about 150,000. So it's not a big city, but it's not a small city either. Mm -hmm. um, and for the longest time, you know, 20, 30 people here and there would uh, be positive with COVID, nothing too major. And October rolls around and we just get ramrodded. And I think it's because we're so close to El Paso, Texas, which is a pretty big population base, it starts bleeding over into our community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, October, like I said, is when we got hit. And before that, we didn't see a whole lot of negative effects other than, you know, some supply issues and things of that nature. Yeah, just the initial shock of like, as you right. said, what, you know, what's going to happen. So I'm curious, when you say conservative mode for a company of your um, style of building and size, what does that mean for you guys? Um, just try to reduce some of the liability. Um, obviously, if we have four specs, uh, spec homes on the ground and they're not selling, then obviously, you know, that's a pretty good mortgage payment on four homes that are just sitting there. Mm -hmm. So that's what we try to do is uh, we decided, okay, you know, we typically like to keep three to four specs on the ground, but just due to COVID, let's uh, minimize that and really sell these specs and kind of wait to see how things shape up. And, uh, you know... <laughs> Looking back, I wish we obviously would have kept building specs and everything. It would have been uh, really nice, but, you know, is one of those decisions you have to make. And yeah. here in our local economy, um, residential resale homes are at an all-time low. I think it's typically under, hovering maybe 250 homes on the market for resale. So, oh, volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing out there. So, so. I guess, did you guys take, feel like you took a loss uh, or you didn't get max value for the ones that you did have in the ground? You were just like, we want to sell these things? No, they actually sold really quick. Uh, when we made the decision that uh, we weren't going to uh, continue building specs, uh, that we're going to wait to see how the market reacts and see what happens with COVID. Um, luckily, the, all the homes sold really quick. I don't think we 
We did have a, an initial lull when uh, COVID first hit because uh, model homes were shut down. Mm -hmm. We were we were considered considered essential service, so we were able to keep building. But you know, just with uncertainty, we were very cautious with people coming into the model home mm -hmm. and uh, really scheduling more app appointments rather than having open houses and such. Mm -hmm. So you know, we did see an initial kind of. Uh, lower traffic for the first couple of months but um you know things picked up immediately and you know the market just took off extremely well yeah it looks like it's booming down there which honestly it, it is in our midwest as well in nebraska and i think you know fortunately for our industry uh, which we care so much mm -hmm. about it i think it's it's happening in a lot of places so that's really great so really what what you're saying is you've lost sort of some months where you could have been you know putting some more homes in the ground right absolutely yeah. So, but you guys are obviously doing that now. What, what, what's sort of your outlook as we move into 2021 in your area? Obviously you guys are feeling pretty bullish about it. Yeah, we're feeling very confident for 2021. Um, you know, especially with how I think what really sparked uh, a lot of the, the activity is the low interest rate. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had people lock in less than 3%, like 2824, which is unheard of, is basically free money. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's what's really been driving people. Um, I think 2021 is going to be a very solid year for both real estate and construction. Um, not here just locally, but, um, you know, throughout all of the United States. Um, I do think, I, I wouldn't say I'm worried about 2022, but I, I still kind of have my eye on the ball with that, kind of wondering how everything's going to react after the new elections and all the political jargon and all that fun stuff. So, yeah. Luckily, we're, we're past that, at least for now, which yeah. is very nice. We'll see yeah. we'll see what the next few months and years look like. You know, I, I want to just maybe end with um, going back to that initial um, moment of unknowing what's happening with the pandemic. I think it's really important for other business owners to hear and maybe relate to. What was your message to your, to your employees? Um, what was kind of the ownership talking about? As it relates, or, or maybe even your subcontractors, you said you had a really great relationship, relationship with them. Um, what was that dialogue like? What, what were you telling people? You know, I'll give you uh, both examples. Uh, when this first hit, um, so our employees were, were almost like they're an extension of our family. You know, yeah. we're working with them every single day. Um, they mean a great deal. I couldn't do what I do without our employees. And uh, basically, we even had some some new hires that we brought on board right before COVID hit. And uh, this was a gentleman that moved from uh, the Lubbock, Texas area, moved all the way down here to take employment with us. So obviously, you know, he was probably pretty shaken up and like, oh, no, I, I hope I still have a job here in the coming months. So, you know, luckily, our company has always been pretty stable and uh, we have you know, enough to weather the storm. And we kind of had a meeting with everybody and basically just said, look, you know, we're going to kind of take a, take the the ride on the roller coaster and see where things go. But, uh, you know, most importantly is keeping everybody safe. Um, obviously don't want, you know, to put yourself in unnecessary harm's way. However, you know, we still obviously want to keep uh, doing what we do, but at the same time, we need to keep our clients safe, keep our employees safe, and our subcontractors as well. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we did was we tried to 
typically on a construction schedule, we'll stack multiple trades in the house at the same time. So we did a few things as trying to, you know, let the electricians do all their job. Um, same thing with mechanical and plumbers, uh, let them solely in the house and do their scope of work before we bring somebody else in. So we try to minimize some of the stacking we did. Um, obviously there's some people that work on the outside, like your stucco contractors, concrete guys, things of that nature. And then you have some of your interior finished carpentry guys working as well. But, uh, you know, luckily, uh, it seemed like everybody worked to, together really well. Um, I think our state is, was one of the more strict states when it comes to, to the, uh, lockdown mandates and everything. Um, luckily construction was deemed essential, but. Being in restaurant service, barbershops, salons, uh, it would be a whole different story. And I think I'd be talking about this whole COVID issue entirely different if I was in that industry. Yeah. Yeah. And we talk about that a lot is that, you know, it's very fortunate for our industry and our small businesses that we deal with that we were in the position we were, but we definitely, you know, feel for anybody else that, that, that is a small business that wasn't as lucky and hopefully that mm. turns around for sure. So it sounds like you guys just had a renewed focus on the schedule, uh, a renewed focus on just open communication with your trades about like, you know, here, here's why it's important. You're not there with, you know, when this other trades there and did your did your trades respond because of your good relationship? Well, was it a good interaction? They did. And what's nice is a lot of our trades work well with each other. Um, sometimes when you put one subcontractor in with another, it could kind of be like oil and water. Sometimes mm -hmm. they just don't click. But most of our guys have been working with each other for so long. They kind of uh, knew their boundaries. They try to keep their guys working on a certain aspect while other guys were working on other things. October-ish when we started getting hit really hard is uh, one employee test positive. It would basically take that whole crew down for, what was it, 14 days or something that they would yeah. have to quarantine. Mm -hmm. So that's when we really started seeing some schedule impacts. And luckily our clients have been very uh, understanding and, you know, obviously people are wanting to get into their homes on the holidays and things of that nature. But, you know, it's just crazy times and kind of have to roll with the punches out there. So yeah, it just really, I think, highlights companies like yourself that have good relationships with their sub network and mm -hmm. their employees and good communication with their clients, because it seems like those companies, um, everybody was really understanding. Everybody kind of understood this is a unique time and unprecedented Absolutely. time. And they weren't as uh, maybe as harsh as they might be um, with other delays in, in the past. So that's great <laughs> to hear. So yeah. uh, looking forward to um, or, or looking back. Is there any lessons that you and your business partners have sort of learned that you're going to take forward with you um, for for the business, whether it's you know because of COVID specifically or just because of the situation you, you were put in? You know, I think it, it just falls into to running a business. You always have to be quick on your toes. Um, things happen. You can never forecast the future. And we don't have that crystal ball that's going to tell us exactly what's going to happen. Um, some of the things that, you know, we were pretty fortunate on was uh, we had a, always had a big focus on more of a smart home technology. So when COVID did hit, we couldn't have um, my wife uh, sells a home. So, you know, obviously her safety is high priority. A lot of people coming into the homes as well. So it was nice being able to have a smart home where she could literally lock and unlock a uh, front door to allow people to come into the house. We had cameras so we could 
visually see what's going on to the home, make sure, you know, things, especially with all the crazy riots and everything that were going on that, uh, you know, theft and vandalism wasn't going on. Um, even simple things as being able to hit a button on your phone and it turns on all the lights so the home properly shows well. Mm -hmm. uh, things of that nature, being innovative and just trying to stay ahead of the trend uh, has really helped us significantly. And I think implementing new items like that and as things progress, keeping keeping in touch with that. So yeah, so so your um, company's strategy of always being on the forefront of technology, you realize that that really helped you during this time. So you're gonna, you're gonna absolutely keep pushing that. That makes a lot of sense. Well, that was great. A couple of things, you know, you had mentioned the International Builder Show, which again, that's that's gone all virtual this year. We missed it as well. We're, <laughs> yeah. We always have a big presence down there, as you probably probably know. Um, yeah, I always uh, stop by, say hi to you guys all the time. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and we love that it, we're missing it this year. It was in Orlando, but uh, for anybody who's interested in in the education part of it, just go to buildershow.com. Uh, there's some great educational classes. I'm teaching one about virtual project management. You can still sign up there. So it's called IBSX this year. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for coming on. I mean, your story is a great story. It sounds like, you know, without a few hiccups, you, you guys survived this and, and are thriving. So we wish you the best. I guess I have to ask everybody from New Mexico, is it red or green for you? So northern is more red. It's uh, It's all green down south. So yeah, green, right. green chili is the way to go. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, Google it, New Mexico, red or green. <laughs> all right, Mike, man, we wish you the best. Totally appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for being a client of Build-A-Trend all these years. Absolutely, Paul. Nice chatting with you guys. All right, appreciate you. All right, thanks again, Mike, uh, for being on the show. Last but not least, uh, we're going to hear from Edgar Garcia with Bella Vista Custom Homes. Well, we had to really adjust. I mean, uh, th this pandemic hit us uh I thought it was going to be a lot worse than what it affected us at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily, uh, I, I, also, I was uh, the president of the Association of Builders at this time uh, during the, the last year or so. Mm -hmm. I just finished really re uh, recently done with that. Now, now I assume I pose as past president, but uh, it, 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 uh, there was a lot of stuff that was going on. And luckily, we're, we're part of this uh, great Texas Association of Builders that had a lot of pull as far as uh, with the legislation in Texas that, but basically we never lost a day due to COVID uh, because of, uh, as far as our efforts with the Texas Association and our, our involvement with them, because they, right off the day, uh, day uh, I know the county wanted to shut us down, but uh, since we became essential, essential businesses, uh, we we're classified in that classification. We never lost a day. Wow. As far as uh, as far as work, we're we're lucky to be living in this great great state of Texas that uh, that never shut us down. Mm -hmm. uh, they 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 shut uh, other rest uh, other businesses as well as far as restaurants, bars, and all that. Mm -hmm. But it, it just go, goes to prove that having a great association, uh, being part of it, how it helped us uh, as far as to continue business. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great take that we haven't heard from other companies directly, but they have said that as a whole, the NHAB uh, as a countrywide organization stepped up and helped sort of guide people through a lot of a lot of regulations that were coming down, whether it was the PPP loan or it was the, uh, you know, just the regulations on the job site, social distancing, things like that. Uh, but then locally, you're saying that your Texas Association of Texas Association of Builders, right? TAB at the state level. Yeah, at the state level. Uh, at the state level, mm -hmm. they they uh, 
they were able to talk to the governor and kind of convince them to be part of the essential business, which were, were classified as our essential businesses. And uh, I know locally, there's been a couple of times that they, they, they wanted to shut down the, as far as uh, the construction industry because of the spread of it. I don't know if you remember back in November, El Paso was making headlines as being part of the, the as far as the numbers increasing on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, did hear that. We, we made national news as being part of that COVID thing as far as uh, uh, our numbers were increasing drastically mm-hmm. every day. And it, it, it took, a, it was October, November. So during that time, that, that the issue came out that they wanted to shut down as far as uh, construction, but uh, they, they couldn't because it has to be the only one that can really shut down businesses is the governor. Yeah, that and was my it, question. So it had to come from the governor on the it state It has to come level. from the governor. And, and even the even the, our, our county officials did shut down more, uh, some of the businesses during that time. And the, uh, the state had to file a lawsuit for them to open up the businesses as well. So it, it was... It's been a, one of those things that I don't know for some reason that the county wanted a, the, the, the county, not the city so much, but the county wanted a, and here as far as Texas, the county over, overrides the city. Because we, we live in the, right, as we build a, Bay of Vista builds in the, in the county as well as in the city. And the, the county uh, has overrules whatever the regulations in the city as well. So. You know, what I think is funny is that, um, Everybody had to get a quick education uh, on uh, like their their local, state, and federal government with this whole thing because you know it really didn't matter all that much city, county, uh, and state, and even federal you know to the everyday person. But when COVID came down and you're getting different rules from all four of those government entities, uh, you, you had to kind of figure out well, how, who who had the say for everything, right? Exactly, and that's one of the things as far as. Being the president association, we had to address all these issues with the, as far as the county and the city, and try to work with them to come up with a solution for for us not to shut down. Because mm-hmm. uh, if we shut down, I think most uh, it would financially it, it would have hurt the city and the county. Well. Yeah, exactly. So that's interesting, uh, Edgar. You were the president of your local association of builders, correct? Trying to run your own business. And probably the hardest job a president of an association had ever had to go through, which is figuring out this pandemic and people looking at you, I bet, your, your companies in, in your association, like, hey, give me some guidance here. You were doing double duty. Now, did they pay you extra now that you're out of it to be the president? Well, I, I wish they did, <laughs> but not, 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 as being part of the association is one of the things that's hard. I consider it kind of like your civic duty. Uh, everybody, uh, we have a different president every year. And most, for the most part, it has to be a developer or a builder that becomes president. Now, if there's no presidents or developers that want to be president, then we go to our associates. But to benefit the association, I think the best uh, candidate for, for that job has to be a builder or a developer. Right. To look for the best interest of the builders and developers at the same time. Yeah, they should tip, they should tip their cap to you the next time you guys have a dinner. Uh, for the association, <laughs> and maybe get you in the Hall of Fame for having to navigate these waters. I, it, it was, and it was also funny because uh, our uh, the, the the president of the Texas Association of, of Builders was also from El Paso. Oh, really? Uh, yes. So, like I say, it, it worked out great on our part because we we had a really really uh, close hand to the, as far as the uh, Texas legislation through our through our president here. Uh, 
uh, Randy Ball in that that he was the president of the Texas Association of Builders. So yeah. and now, and now I'm also involved as far as in several committees with a, at the state level. But uh, like I said, everything he planned out and it worked out well as far as for him. Uh, he also got the brunt of it being the being the president as well as one of the worst uh, scenarios you could go through. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it also shows shows shines a light on the importance for companies who maybe have started coming into construction with these last four or five years. Maybe they they haven't they've resisted joining local associations of builders or the state level. Uh, you're seeing now supporting those things are very important for the industry as a whole. And, and the, Good thing that you bring that up because uh, uh, the the trend was uh, as far as uh, associations are dying mm-hmm. throughout the country, um, and uh, going through this, uh, a lot of people did see the value as far as the association. Because during that time, once after March, we probably had we were probably having weekly meetings of all the different stuff that was coming. Mm-hmm. How do we address them? What do we need to as far as to do as builders to be able to to us do our part so we wouldn't get as far as uh, citations or anything or even try to keep the city and county happy as we're doing our work. Yeah. And I think it's important. Maybe it's maybe it's a really great thing for these. As you said, I we, we've been in you know construction for 14 and a half years as Builder Trend. And and I can attest to your comment. Yeah. The associations uh, were sort of dying in terms of their reputation of being needed uh, by these companies. A lot of that is because of the internet and trade shows were going down because there's less of a need to go to a trade show to see that product in person, whereas you're seeing a lot of that being done virtually. And I think a lot of people associated a lot of the value of associations with sort of like these physical events, right, where you would get together and you would network and you do continuing education classes and then you would do trade shows. But that's not the only value that these associations have. And I think that we've just shown a light on that, that it supports the industry as a whole, your local and state industry. And it's a great resource for you as a contractor to make sure you're doing everything right. And you got to support that stuff for that stuff to exist. Right. Exactly. And people don't really see the value association until you really get involved um, here in El Paso uh, uh, with, with the city where we're, we're one of the very few cities here in the state that allows uh, private inspectors with the city and through negotiations with the city, because uh, we're having issues as far as uh, inspections where they're falling behind delays mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So they, they, they actually created, there's a company here in El Paso that does uh, as far as inspections for the city mm-hmm. and it's a private company. What I do is I don't have to this. When I submit a permit, I just take it to them. They take care of as far as all the legwork, as far as filing the permit. And then uh, when it's time to do the inspections, I schedule with them. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of works out. They Instead of having an inspector that, that you can't even, some of these city inspectors, you can't even talk to them or get them on the phone or mm-hmm. and, and they go do their inspections and they don't even work with you or anything like that. They just tag you, red tag you, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, with this uh, uh, relationship that we develop with this, this private company, it's a two-way street. I don't take you in my part. You don't get business from me if we're not working together. Yeah. So it, it worked out pretty good. I mean, that that's, and like I said, we're, we're, we're very, we're one of the few cities in the, in the state of Texas that we actually pri- have private inspections. That's a great example of what a local association lobby can do for you. 
because that helps everybody, right? You can get inspections faster. Like you say, it's more of a two-way street rather than just somebody slapping and, things and in. Even because uh, you've been working with the city, you would schedule an inspection, and you wouldn't even know when the inspector was going to go there. Mm -hmm. Now, now uh, you would have to physically just spend the whole day there or just take your chances, and hopefully everything would pass, and you wouldn't even know. And until the end of the day, you went to the job site, and then you figured out that you yeah. passed or failed. This way, uh, at least there's a communication. Uh, what time are you going to be there? You pay text message or a phone call, and then you can meet up with the inspector, and it just works a lot better. And we, it it, it builds a, a, a business relationship between them and us. Yeah, that seems like a win-win. So, I mean, I guess a great call out would be, and I know we're on a tangent here, but I think it's important because it was highlighted by the pandemic. Is your local and state associations are super important. They need your support. So if you're a contractor listening to this. Go support your local and state uh, associations. Get involved. You know, as Edgar said, he's, it's, it, he feels like it's his civic duty, and I think that's a great way to, to think about it. Uh, get involved and help the industry as a whole. Now, you were involved in El Paso. We haven't really told the audience yet, so you're based out of El Paso, Texas. Can you give everybody just kind of the rundown of your business? What's the name of your company? What do you guys do? Well, uh, it's a uh, Bay Vista Custom Homes. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been and I, I was looking at the days because I knew I was going to have the show, and I went back and then actually this is going to be our 20th year, 20 year anniversary in July. Awesome. Uh, we've been we've been building custom homes. I'm a second generation firefighter, and I started this company back in 2001 uh, when I was still on the fire department, uh, and I did it as a as a part time. Uh, I was doing a little remodeling here and there. But with remodeling, people want you there as far as there twenty uh, every day, mm -hmm. and then that's something when I had to as far as school, we work twenty four on twenty four off, mm -hmm. and I couldn't do that all the time. So uh, we decided to start a company. It was me and my brother, and then uh, we started uh, Bea Vesta. He's he's gone his own ways. Also, he's done another custom home builder here in El Paso. Both of us are doing very well. Good. Uh, but uh, we started that. And then the reason I w we went to the construct uh, into the building that that way we could still because he's all he was also a firefighter that way we could go to our jobs and then we can run as far as the jobs as far as when we were off and we didn't have to uh, as far as account for as far as our time. Yeah. So you're saying that yeah yeah. So when you build a custom home, you don't necessarily have to be there every day. That exactly. schedule as a firefighter where you had three days on, three days off, or whatever your schedule was, that actually worked well for you. Exactly. Um, it worked very well for me as far as to be able to continue. Uh, so so that, that business uh, evolved. Mm -hmm. uh, now now we build anywhere from, uh, I'm going to say probably from 18 to 24 houses a year. We're probably between, we build from 8 to 10 million a year. Nice. And uh, we've been doing very well. Um, How many people you got right, right now? Uh, here in the office, I got seven, and out in the field, we got eight. Okay. And we uh, mostly what we do as far as we, we supervise our subcontractors, but at the end, also, we, we, we with our staff that we have in the field, we finish out the houses to make them look uh, as far as because we build a real quality home, and, and you can't get that out of the subs. You physically have to have our, somebody from our staff finish up as far as the, the, for the quality that we're looking for. Yeah, what kind of – I've always – this because everybody's business is set up differently and there's probably no right answer it just depends on where you are locally you know where you are in the nation and you know the different subs and trades you have there in quality so for you you finish things with your local staff what kind of uh, items does that mean is that paint touch up is that the carpentry what is that the the the, the very last very details as far as uh, molding in the corners make sure that the house is 
as close as perfect as, as possible. Because okay. um, there, there's a bunch of builders here in El Paso, but our, our niche is quality. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. That we, by hands out, we'll, we'll, as far as people walk into our houses, you can actually feel and see the quality of mm -hmm. our work. That makes so sense. Uh, that's why I, I think that's what it kept us as far as growing every year. Every every year we seem to be growing every year, and then as uh, the as far as our, our clients, they, they uh, refer us to somebody else, and that that's how. Yeah. Uh, right now, I got. We got about 15 houses on the ground right now, and then over 40. In, and as far as planning wise, it, wow. it's crazy here in El Paso. It's where it's going to take me two years to be able to build all these all these houses that we have right now. That's that a that's a good that's a good problem to have though, right? Uh, well, it, yeah, it is. Yeah. But then then you suffer as far as all these uh, customers are. When are you going to start my house? When are we going to start? And what I tell my customers right now, you're looking at it, once you sign proposal uh, and you sign contract, once we're done as far as designing your house, it's going to take us about a year and a half before before we can even complete your house because mm -hmm. it'll take me six months before I can start and then probably another year to, to be able to finish your project. Mm -hmm. So, But with the, with the type of quality they get with you, hopefully they'll, they'll hang on for that. Um, which yeah, is and, and most of them have uh, been real subjective as far as be able to, as far as... Uh, uh, work with our timeline. That's great. Yeah. And a lot of that timeline, I, I guess, can assume has been adjusted because of the pandemic, you know, lead times on product ordering and just the availability for you guys to be able to do stuff. Did you, did you have an adjustment to the time it takes to build, build a home since the pandemic yes. came? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we were probably building it. it, it would act, usually for, usually homes here in, uh, for a production builder, they'll build in, in about three months. Mm -hmm. uh, for wow. these custom homes, we are probably, uh, knocking them out between eight and nine months. Mm -hmm. Now we're we're at the point it's going to take a year and a half by the time we 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 go into contract and finish the product the the houses. And and what do you attribute that to specifically? The you know what uh, it's an interesting thing because uh, we have this border here uh, uh, close to Juarez, mm -hmm. uh, El Paso borders with uh, with Mexico in the, in the city of Juarez. Mm -hmm. And what the COVID did, they shut down the as far as the. The not uh, as far as only uh, United States citizens go, go, go back and forth. Well, there's a lot of labor force uh, that was coming in from uh, from Mexico to uh, as far as for our subcontractors on a daily they, basis. They, they live in Mexico. Yeah. They, they, they have permits to come in and work and then they, they go back at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But when they shut down the border, we lost a lot of labor. Oh, wow. And, and, and then with the rise of people moving into El Paso and moving out of the big cities and trying to move into Texas, well, that, that created as far as our subcontractors don't have enough people to be able to, uh, as far as to get to all the work that we have. Well, I think this, this is a great example of why we did the regional podcast, because that's so unique to where you guys are and a great unique story that people should hear. So there's two things there. First of all, labor shortage, because you could actually permitted drive from Mexico across the border of Texas, I assume, and come work in the United States for the day, drive back. Yes. And that's a lot of great labor that you guys had. Beyond that, though, you had mentioned something else I don't want to gloss over. People are moving to Texas, right? Yes, absolutely. I think I know why, but why don't you explain why are people moving to Texas? <laughs> well, I, I, I think, uh, well, what, what's happening is, uh, for, for the most part, I think uh, Texas, are, uh, we have very big Republican as far as views, as far as the, the El Paso, it's kind of, kind of different. Yeah, because you got Beto O'Rourke there. Excuse me. You got Beto in, in El Paso, right? Beto O'Rourke. Yes. So he, yes. he's he's not Republican. 
No, he's not very public. And, and there, 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 as far as uh, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, Democratic, as far as El Paso is considered a Democratic city. Mm -hmm. But the rest of it, we take advantage as far as all, all, all the, as far as all the Republicans, uh, as far as uh, what they enact and stuff like that. So we take advantage of that. But what's happening now, uh, people have as far as like, like I said, we never shut down, and, and that that has to be part of the, as far as all the views uh, as far as that Texas has. Mm -hmm. But what's happening? A lot of people from. California, we see a lot of people. There's been a lot of people moving over from California, mm -hmm. and they have, which is which is fine because they have lots of money to spend. Mm -hmm. um, our our building has gone up as far as a price and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But then we suffer the consequences. What, what's going to happen uh, when all these people start moving in and starts maybe turn te uh, uh, turn Texas uh, to a blue state? Because that, that that almost happened. Right. That that's almost good, happened, and, and then it's bound to happen within the next couple of years here. Yeah, and then we'll see where that's going to take us because there's a lot of uh, uh, as far as how Texas feel as far as uh, the the right to guns and stuff like that. So it's it's going to be different. I mean, the next couple of years is going to be very different to see what what what's going to happen to Texas in the couple yeah. of years. Yeah, yeah, that you bring a really good point. So as I understand, a lot of people are moving to Texas for a few reasons. That that you know, in the current time, the COVID restrictions for businesses and and just as a as a citizen, being able to go out and go to restaurants and things like that at your own will, that's really loose there. But I think in general, people, people because of the pandemic, can now work and live anywhere they want. You know, the businesses um, have, have gone remote and may stay that way, and you, you can work virtually. So you might look at yourself as, why am I in this 800-square-foot uh, apartment in New York or this 900-square-foot house in, in, in California that cost me $700,000 when I can actually sell that go to Texas where there's no income tax and I can buy something for half the price, twice as big and probably three times the quality. Right. That's kind of exactly. what's happening. And that, that, that's what's happening. Yeah. Uh, that's really what's happening. You have any room for me down there? <laughs> no? there's, Texas, I'll tell you what, Texas is a big state. So there's plenty, plenty of room, room for, that's for the other thing. It's, it's plenty still, of room. Yeah. Well, that's good for you guys, but again, yeah, you know, on a, on a macro macro level, you're looking at like what what's that going to do to the the color of the state? You know, we'll leave politics out of it. It's been good for you guys right now. So let let let's just um, circle back to the COVID, right? As somebody with about 15 employees, because you said seven in the office, eight in the field, or something like that, as a business owner, uh, when COVID was happening, what were you thinking about your staff and how you wanted to communicate to them? Um, can you just kind of take me through that as the owner of the business, what, how you were thinking about that? Well, it, it was, uh, we would never expect it what happened as far as our, everything going up and as far as our sales, uh, almost tripled, uh, in a mm -hmm. one year period. Um, and then having to, as far as we're going to be able because like I said, the city was trying to close us down. Mm -hmm. We closed it and we started losing uh, as far as my employees don't don't aren't able to work, they aren't able to feed the families, and it, it just it just draws a big it starts a big chain reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as and that was on my mind. Am I going to lose my business? Is gonna, and that's something that you worked for for twenty years uh, to be able to get to this level, and then all of a sudden wake up from on March and say, you know what, this is going on, and and you hear uh, parts around the country that were closing down. Mm -hmm. it, it, it then you start saying well, what's going to happen and what we're going to do and, and and like i said uh good thing we uh, i had a bunch of uh, as far as being the president 
Mm-hmm. And we were kind of, I was able to talk to other business, uh, other builders, and and we were able to come with solutions and, and uh, adapt. The only thing you have to do is adapt and overcome. Uh, and we started as far as uh, what we did at our, 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 our local level, uh, we started uh, installing hand washing stations. Anywhere it could be very, uh, one of those real elaborate washing stations mm-hmm. uh, to a simple tank with uh, water and some soap. Mm-hmm. So the subs could wa- wa- start washing in there, go in there and wash your hands uh, to prevent the spread. And then also what we, we, we implemented as, as far as builders, um, we would only have one subcontractor going there and, at a time instead of having three to four at the same mm-hmm. time. That way we kept our, as far as our, our, as far as uh, their COVID numbers down. Mm-hmm. So you had, then, to adjust uh, the, you had to adjust the schedule. Yes. Yeah. And Just the schedule. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was the biggest thing because you usually have two or three cells working at a job at any time and mm-hmm. then go drop out as, as far as to be able to drop to a, to a single level, a uh, single sub being at the job site. I mean, it, it takes coordination. Mm-hmm. Uh, good thing we have builder training to be able to adjust the, the schedule. And as far as a, a matter of seconds or even a couple of minutes, depending mm-hmm. on your schedule. And so we could adjust that, which worked out real good for us. I mean, like I said, I've been using build trend and, and since every year we, 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 uh, we adapt something new last year. It was the last fight because my, my wife is a uh, designer mm-hmm. and uh, they had everything on notebooks, notebooks and notebooks. And finally the, the production guys uh, out in the field says, Hey, every time we need something, we have to come to this notebook and see what, what it is. So my, my project manager, uh, who's helped me tremendously to be able to develop at the level that we're at right now, um, it says that what do we, I think we're, we're at the phase where we need to start bringing in selections. Mm-hmm. And my wife was uh, totally uh, uh, against that because it was going to change the whole world. And uh, it, it takes a lot of effort to be able to convince people the worth of builder traffic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's going to take a lot of time to, to, to as far as to start selections, but once they're there, they're there. It's a matter of a couple of clicks and you're done. Yeah. Ch- changing habits in any industry, but especially our industry of construction I've seen is really tough for employees and, and it's understandable. You know, you get used to doing it in a certain way that gives you some security in your job and you know what you're doing every day. And even if it does sound like, man, this is going to save our company money or you time, sometimes it's not worth it for them to even like think about it. But you know, one of the unique things about the pandemic is people were forced to change. There was no option. Like we are going virtual with meetings. We are, you know, going to start using digital signatures on documents because we physically cannot do anything else. And so, so do you think it got people used to change in this industry more than, than they ever have been before? Yes, it had to, because you had to quickly, quickly, very quickly adapt and overcome as far as what you needed to do for that day. Yeah. And everybody was Uh, in it together. Like from, from the small, from the youngest employee to the owner, we all know because this is such a huge event in the world, this pandemic, like we all know we have to change. Let's right now. How do we do that? But, but this kind of forces quick because, uh, but, but before the pandemic, I I would never tell you I'm going to be in a zoom call. Yeah. I I, I hate, I hate looking at myself as far as being on, on the camera. Yeah. But, but we had to change. I had to have my meetings on, on go to meetings, zoom, mm-hmm. whatever I had to, we had to do to be able to continue uh, functioning. And it was a quick change. And like I said, it was something that 
it, it kept on your feet constantly because every day was a different day mm -hmm. and you had to be adapting every day. So uh, th this pandemic, I mean, it has, uh, has shown us uh, a, a lot of people have learned from this uh, as far as how to over uh, adapt and overcome. Yeah, that's been one of the big positives, especially for this industry that is so uh, has been so slow to adopt change or technology into the industry. That's really pushed forward. And I think that's going to be benefit the greater industry as a whole. I just do. I think we're seeing some of that. You know, we've you're, you're on with a, a handful of other clients across the United States and Canada. And almost every interview we've done, they've given us an example of how going virtual saved them time, whether it's, you know, driving to the permit office when they don't need to, or, you know, having a selections meeting in person where it's like, man, we could do so much more virtually and then record the whole thing. So are you seeing some of that stuff too? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I was hearing one of your podcasts, because I, I started, when you came up with these podcasts, I started listening to them. And then you get into the rhythm of listening to one. And you know what? Even though you've picked up one little thing, what's in the other podcast? Uh, one of the things I picked up on one of their, your shows that you had somebody, I don't know the name of him, but he says that to have a, as far as a, a go to meeting or, or a Zoom meeting uh, once a week, mm -hmm. to be able to, instead of going back and forth with these texts, um, emails and stuff like that, you get that set up a meeting with that client once a week and you go over all their stuff. And uh, we, we started implementing it and I think it's working out pretty good. That's great. Uh, yeah, so because, okay. because people like, I think we just talked about that. Um, but yeah, so like people, the clients expect it so they can save their questions for the zoom meeting. Exactly. They don't have to insensibly answer. And then you can record the zoom meeting and send it to them and say, Hey, if you forget anything you can call, but maybe you should just check the tape, you know? No, absolutely. That's great. So looking into 2021, it sounds like you guys are, are going gangbusters, which we, I think is great for you. Very, very happy for you guys. Um, are you looking to add, you know, sort of what are you looking at from the owner's perspective? Are you looking to add bodies on the team? Are you looking for land in the area? Or what, what are you looking at over the next couple of years? Well, I, I wish I could get bodies, but like, like, like a good company, you got to surround yourself with very good people. And, and th that pool seems to be shrinking every year. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to find that, 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 that good worker that's willing to stick it out with you. Mm -hmm. uh, that worker needs to, that, that needs to put in the extra hours to be able to, as a business owner, I come in here sometimes at five o'clock in the morning and I don't leave till seven or eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And, and, the, and, but the, the, that's, that's, that's what kind of uh, business owner needs that, that kind of drive to be able to succeed. But at the same time, you, you're, you, there's very limited people that are willing to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's, that, I think that's going to be the hardest thing to be able to, uh, as far as, because uh, he sees that everybody has a phone and everybody wants to be a millionaire with that phone. And, and the, 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 but it doesn't work that way. It takes hard work and dedication to be able to get where you're at. Well, hey, and, uh, pe people are migrating to Texas. So if you're listening to this right now and you live in any state in the United States, and you want to work your your tail off for Edgar and Bella Vista? Give him a call, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're we're looking for good people that want to work. Yeah. And uh, as far as to be able to grow the company. That, yeah. No. In all seriousness, that labor shortage is an issue, and that we talk with everybody about that. You know, uh, all all my friends in construction, and I think, you know, uh, you know, tying it back to what we talked about at the beginning, you know, a local association, a national association, that could be a really good initiative for them. And I think most of them have that. And, and, and when you take off with us here in Texas, uh, because we, we've been fighting this for, for the last year, when you have your your uh, 
as far as your 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 master electrician, your master plumber, their average age is already seventy four. Yeah, and and that they're not being replaced. Mm -hmm. that, that that's that's the, the biggest people don't people are, are are not wanting into. We're trying to see it Burnley again. Uh, as far as high school, we're, we're, at the state level, we've been trying to get these schools to start teaching the trades again mm -hmm. because that's what that's what we need. What we lack of, like I said, Ambassador Plumber, the average age is, in the state of Texas is 74 years old. Mm -hmm. You're looking with a, another five, 10 years, we're going to be in a crisis. Yeah, uh, you know, that's exactly right. We had a guest a couple times, Brandon Brandon from the Iowa Skilled Trades. Uh, you know, They're next door to us here in Nebraska in the Midwest, and he said the exact same thing, is that this average age of, of some of these like you know dirt workers or electricians or plumbers or HVAC guys, it's it, it they're ready to retire. Exactly. And who's coming up through the ranks to, to replace them? And by the way, you can make a killing doing that stuff. Exactly. It's not like it's not like the blue. It's going to be a very limited amount of people yeah. that have those those those, uh, those uh, as far as uh, trades. We're going to be hurting. They say probably the. Within the next ten years, you're gonna see probably the small builders that you're gonna probably lose fifty percent of the small builders. Yeah, the, the only ones that are gonna be able to survive are the big production builders that build thousands of homes because they're they're, they're the ones that have the deep pockets and they're gonna be able to, to pay more as far as for yeah. the for their services. Or they just bring it in house, do it themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, let's keep fighting for the small builders because that we love them here at Builder Trend. Um, I think I can speak to everybody on our team. It sounds like you did a great job with your local association. So, again, you should be in the Hall of Fame in my book. And uh, when when you guys have those awards dinners down in El Paso, shoot me a note. Maybe I'll come down there and ha have a beer with you. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> glad to have you over here. <laughs> All right, Edgar, well, I'm going to let you go. Uh, if you want to learn more about Edgar and his business, Bella Vista Custom Homes, you can check them out at bellavistacustomhomes.com. I'm on there right now. Some amazing pictures of the quality that Edgar referred to. And then check them out on Instagram, Bella Vista Custom Homes. Uh, thank you again. Really appreciate the recap of last year. Sounds like 2021 and 2022 are going to be killer for you. That's amazing, and, and we wish you the best, man. Appreciate it. Thanks right. for having me on the show. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode of The Building Code. Make sure you subscribe and like wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, head out to Facebook and join the Building Code crew. And finally, drop me a line at podcast at buildatrend.com. We want to hear from you, suggestions on guests or topics, anything. Thanks so much for joining and appreciate you.